Friends and I, Linda told me and I listened to, to some of the, the testimonies from last week. Just that I serve and thank you to Claudia for all the work that you guys have put into it for Linda. And just for us being a church that served together. Currently we have more than 70% of the people that call this spiritual family that work together in this family. The chairs, now I wish, I don't know if you know about spontaneous combustion, but I just wish I can walk into a wall and just say, like, and all the chairs would be in my house. You know, that is not, it's really doesn't, it's, it doesn't happen that quick, but people packing out chairs, we really want to honor every serving team. Every person that's volunteered to work on the team. Friends, servanthood is part of discipleship. It is not discipleship, it's part of the whole. And as a church, we're committed to it. And it's just such an honor and it's such a joy to build the church of God together. Because the church has never been designed to be built by one man. By one woman. The power of the church is not behind the pulpit. We truly believe. Alright, so friends, we, we spoke about servanthood and we're moving on, and I'm going to share a little bit about worship today. It's one of the biggest topics in the Bible because we were created to worship as human beings. You come alive when you worship. One of, one of the men, I, I love reading his books, he once spoke about worship, I read a chapter on worship, and he said that a human being is not designed to contain glory. We are only designed to be conduits of glory. So when anything happens in church, when anything happens that you are part of that is great, you can either let the thanks stop with you, or you can take the thanks and you can take it personally, privately, in your bedroom, get on your knees before God, and just allow it to flow, flow through you to God. Those are healthy people. And he actually went as far as to say that when, when praise and when worship stops with a human being, it activates a self-destruct nothing. Look at the celebrities that commit suicide. Look at the people in the world that from a worldly perspective, they have everything that they want, but they are the most miserable people ever. I was walking in, in Ilonga a while back, and this is just to kind of bring you into the, the, the thought of worship, because friends, worship is you being a channel to take what the world brings and, and what God gives you and to take it to Him in worship. And the man that was serving me, he had tattoos. I'm not big on tattoos. And I've been issues with tattoos, but his arm was, as he was serving me, I just saw stars on his arm. And I said, are you, are you shooting for the stars? And he just said to me, man, what do I want to be? I want to be a star. And I said to him, man, I believe that you were, you have the potential, you have the, the, the DNA in you to become something great. And he says, yeah, what now I'm going to make and I'm going to be rich. I can remember in that moment I looked at him and I said to him, you know what? I know very rich people that pride themselves to sleep with you. The wealth that you offer that you think is going to bring you happiness is not the ultimate, it's something beyond the start. And he was very keen and we I, I still see him. I still walk into the same shop, I still speak to my store split a tattoo man, very good guy, I love to bits. And let's see what God does. But friends, we were designed to go, not just to become a star, but to take what God gives you 
catching the emotion. You'll be the healthiest person in the world. It's amazing what God does. I want to take you to a well-known passage, John 4. My title is called The Answer. There's one PowerPoint this morning. It's called The Answer. There's someone that walked up to Jesus. This lady, the Samaritan lady, walked up to Jesus in the heat of the day. And Jesus was preparing her for an answer. And she didn't even know what the question was. But in his discussion with her, he leads her to a place where he brings her to the answer. And friends, listen, the answer is worship. Let me give you the answer now. The answer is worship. But how you get to it and how you understand it and your perspective on others that found the answer is very interesting and very important. Because as believers, we need to understand why we worship. There must be substance behind your worship. When you understand something, you can do it with impact. I'm reminded of a, of a, of a world-renowned author and, and poet. And he was attending, it's, it's a German guy that wrote the story, he was attending a gathering where people celebrated the arts. And they heard that this famous poet was there. And they said to him, would you mind honoring us by opening this meeting by reading Psalm 23? You know, because I think this world famous poet, he can read it in a way that, you know, it's just, he reads it differently as a poet. Because David was a poet. So this, this renowned man came forward and he did the honor and he read Psalm 23. And there was an old guy, a very old man, sitting up front in the rows at the, at the uh, up front. Because often you read it, people, you know, they applauded it. And he walked up to the organizer and he said, Would you mind if I read Psalm 23 to the people? And the guy thought about it and he said, I don't know if I do it again. And he gave the, gave the Bible to this old man and he started reading Psalm 23 and he stumbled over his words. He didn't do the, uh, the, the correct pauses at the correct time. And when he finished, people in the crowd were weeping. And they were just, you could see they were literally moved by what happened. And afterwards, this world-renowned poet came to this old man and said, How did you do that? My whole life is about what you just did. And you did everything wrong. And the old man looked in the eye and says, The only difference between you and me is I believe what I love. I truly believe Friends, when worship becomes something that you are versus something that you do, it starts impacting people around. They look at you differently. It's all of a sudden there's something different. And it's your birthright to have it. It's God's birthright for you to enjoy the privilege of worship that encapsulates your whole being. All of you. Listen, this is how the story begins. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. I truly believe that you need to read your Bible at all. So you can go read this at home, alright? So I'm going to read a couple of verses and I'm going to unpack them with a few, but you can read the whole story and you can really think through this throughout the week. And may God help us to apply it as a church. May we be a church that truly worships. 
John 4 verse 1 to 6. We stop at verse 4 and just come back a little bit later on. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although he himself did not baptize, but only his disciples did, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. The translation he had to pass through Samaria is now you have Jesus, and the Bible says he had to pass through Samaria. That means he was divinely inspired because of divine necessity. So this passage starts with Jesus. There's a divine necessity for him to go through a certain area and to pass through a certain town and to do a certain thing. Divine necessity. Because if you speak in that time, if you look at a good Jew, any Jews in the house? Not yet. Okay, we'll get it. Right. But for a good Jew, you don't go through Samaria. That's a bad day. You just, you just don't rise through it. And the Bible says to us, and he had to go. He had to pass through Samaria. So something in Jesus' makeup got him to understand that God wanted him to go through there. A good Jew would travel from Judea. They would go over the Jordan. I looked at the map. This is not supposed to be If it was me, I would have moved the map. Alright? But a good Jew would have he would have gone out to the Jordan. He would have passed through the Jordan, traveled along the east of the Jordan, traveled back over the Jordan into Galilee. That's how bad scenario was for So Jesus takes the route and there's a divine necessity. Because something needs to happen in that time, and we're going to see what happens now. Because we know who he's going to meet now, all right? He's going to meet the Samaritan woman. A woman of poor repute, a woman that was disqualified in every single sense of her life. Divine necessity. Jesus crossed through. Some of you have experienced God by his divine necessity sending someone to cross through your life. Because once you were not the coolest guy in town. Once, if you think back to who you were before Jesus crossed through your life, you needed some divine necessity to force people over your boundaries to get to your heart and to open your eyes to the answer. Friends, one of us had it. Some of you are in that place. By divine necessity, God would cross your boundaries. Some of you might be here because your friend is just simply bigger than you. And he forced you to be here. He said, if you don't come, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> Alright? That's divine necessity. God, by His grace, would do things like that because He loves you. God, by divine necessity, would sometimes say, I'm going to sacrifice my comforts to get to your heart. What a gracious illustration of the gospel. What a gracious God we serve. What a gracious life. This God is calling us to live. Because the same way someone crossed your borders, He's calling you to cross other people's borders. 
by divine necessity, Jesus placed us in this city. By divine necessity, we are in this time of economic struggle, of political and world madness, of what's happening in the Ukraine. Divine necessity, friends, God is not intimidated by what is happening. He's not intimidated by Samaria. Jesus is just saying, hey, Dad said and Dad will take. Let's go for it. Good people to hang around. People that can walk by divine necessity. Follow our worship, you'll see now. Verse 5 goes on. So he came, listen guys, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Used to be called Shechem. Okay? It's my best Hebrew accent. <laughs> so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Shechem, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 1,500 years back. Jacob's well was there. There was a well that Jacob dug. So Jesus, weary as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Okay, so we went to Shechem, and we, need, we now need to answer, you need to, if, if you speak to the liberal scholars, you need to ask, why is, you know, it's like Shechem, it gives me the name, it says that, Jacob bought this piece of ground and he gave it to his son Joseph. You must ask yourself, why is this important? Because the Bible doesn't say anything by accident. And I know some of our Hebrew scholars here would understand that there's significance because you need to look at the foundation of the place to understand what that place signifies. You know what happened at Shechem? Can you remember old Jacob? The old swindler, the old cheater, the old liar. The deceiver, man with four names. You study Jacob's life, he had four names. Two humanly given, two God given. Some of you go, yeah, now you can study your Bible. Right. You're going to love it when you find it because it's beautiful. But I'm going to give you the touch anyway. Jacob bought the well. You know, you know when Jacob bought that? It was very shortly after his encounter with God when God touched his head. And he had the encounter with God, and God said, From now on, you'll be called Israel. You, won't, you will no longer be called Jacob. You won't be a liar, a cheater, a swindler anymore. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And very shortly after that, he bought this piece of ground, and it's the first place that Jacob, you need to, you need to be able to stay with me now because it's too many. Jacob and Israel is the same guy. Jacob was his old name, Israel is his new name. I'm just going to stick to Jacob to help you, alright? It's the very first place where Jacob really worshipped. Because before that moment, he always wanted to get stuff from God. He never wanted to bring his life to God. You can study his life. Jacob was symbolized, was characterized by words, If you will bless me, then I will. If you will give me, then I will. And Shechem, this piece of ground that Jesus is sitting on, is a pulpit that David after that Jacob built 1,500 years before Jesus preached up. He built an altar and he dug a well. And this is the well where Jesus is sitting. You mentioned the significance of that. What is the foundation of that place? On true worship. 
That whole place that was that became Samaria. People lost worship in Samaria. It became the outcasts. It became like the dogs in, in, in their society. They lost what the foundation of that place will always be seen to be. Worship. And is it not incredible how 1,500 years later, Jesus would, by divine necessity, go to that place to meet a woman whose life very closely resembled Jacob's. And Jesus is basically doing the same thing for her than what God did for Jacob who bought the ground. He's a gracious God. He's patient. He is long-suffering. Friends, we serve a God that will take your bread away. One of the great saints was asked, how do you know if someone has seen the kingdom of God? And his answer was, they are quiet. That's the type of God. And may we express him as he is. May we worship him as he is. Not in human standards, not in human estimation. May we worship Him as God, as a church we Friends and worship, I'm, I'm looking at some praise and worship leaders amongst us here. Worship is deep, it's way deeper than just songs. Here Jesus is, the woman that came in the sixth hour, it's the hottest time of the day. This woman was ashamed to be seen. But the hottest time of the day, everyone would have had their their, uh, their livestock needs to be watered, etc., etc. And in the hottest hour of the day, everyone was in their tent sleeping. And she decided, that is the hour that I'll go to the world, because I don't want to be seen. And here she walks into Jesus. So I don't care how you feel about yourself. I don't care if you feel discouraged. I feel it too. <coughs> The greatest super Christians that you think never feel discouraged, I feel it too. And when you get to that well, there's by the divine necessity, Jesus is just sitting at the well and saying, You need the water. Because the water will give you temporary satisfaction, it will temporarily meet your need, and it'll just get you going for the next week. But next week you will be as desperate and you will come as desperate to as well. But if you find the water in me, and Jesus has this discussion with this lady that is breathtaking. Because he says, if you know who is speaking to you, he can give you water that will well up from your innermost being. And it will become like a river. It will increase. What an incredible story. But see, the place of that well. So I was preparing, I was thinking, we, we lived in Dublin, Dublin, my island, okay? We lived there for eight years and this place, the first place in the world that handles Messiah was, was before, was in Dublin, in a square, but it's about maybe 500 to 800 meters away from our church in Dublin. The first place in the world that handles Messiah was before. Who knows what I'm talking about when I say handles inside? Come on, just help me. Okay, there's about one person. Don't you know handles inside? Sure. 
Joanne, you know it. Thanks. I guess it's too You should have wrote Joanne. But, okay. Friends, but Handel's Messiah is a majestic piece of music. And I can remember the first time I walked to that place, and there's a statue of Handel standing like this. Because he was prohibited by the Roman Catholic Church to perform, to perform Handel's Messiah. Because it's hallelujah, it's truly a worship song. I'm not going to try to sing to you, so no one's I want to have you stay. But I can remember walking to that place and having heard that song so many times. It truly is a song that brings to tears. It's like that old man reading something. Friends, in this place where Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, is the same. It's almost like when you walk up to that well, you just, you are reminded, and this lady speaks to Jesus and he says, and she says to him, are you greater than our father Jacob? This woman has links with Jacob. 1,500 years, she can link her lineage to the man who bought that piece of ground. And it's the same. When I walked up to that statue, I just thought because Handel was breaking the Roman Catholic rule. And the church was basically ruling Europe. And he put his, I don't know, a bunch of brave, brave people together and they performed Handel's Messiah in the face of massive opposition. And I stood in front of that statue and I thought, I wish I could be there. I wish I had a moment. The ability just to close my eyes and to transport myself back to that moment. Because something great happened. And it was the start of a great move in the church of people worshipping God and not always by the priest. And Jesus is trying to do the same thing here with his lady. And she listens. Jacob's well. I can talk to you, I can talk to you a lot about the, the significance there. Jacob, let me just tell you the story about Jacob. Now, he, he built this altar in Genesis 33, uh, uh, yeah, Genesis 33, you can read about it. He built this altar and he worships God and he worships God not for what he can get from God for the first time in his life, for what he can give God, for the fact that God passed Very important. He started worshiping God beyond what people define him as. Because what does his mommy and daddy call him? Jacob. It's not a difficult question. What did he call himself? Esau, because he liked his dad. Walked into his dad's tent. His dad wanted to bless Esau. Walked into his dad's tent and, and his dad said, Who, who is this? Who, who's walking? Because Abraham's eyes were, were weak then and he was like, It's Esau. But he lied about himself. People spoke bad things over him. And then God says, I'll touch your hip and I'll change your name to Israel. And he changed his name to Israel. And you know what? In Isaiah 44, verse 2 to 4, listen to what God says to this Jacob, to this dude that he just changed. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. So God is saying to him, Jacob is who you were. Israel is who I have, who I have chosen. Listen to this. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, the one whom I have chosen. Jeshurun means beloved one. I don't know why God does that for me. I don't know why He does that. 
But in Isaiah 44, long after Jacob has been dead, God speaks through the prophet. And he said, you know what? My special name for Jacob was Jeshua, beloved one. What is God trying to do with this woman? Exactly the same. What is God trying to do with you? Exactly the same. What are we trying to do in our connectors? Exactly the same. Can you hear God's voice? Friends, because when you start hearing God's voice, nothing will stop. Because now we know the story about this lady. She was struggling with worship. As I said, from Genesis 33 onwards, she was thinking that worship was linked to a place. Oh, I'm going to church. I'm going to worship in church. What did you go? Oh, no, then I just did my mouth. No, 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 no. Then you worship. Then I can actually see what you worship. Then I can actually see what you worship. Worship is what happens after church. Church is an expression of worship. The fragrance we are called to encounter and to meet. Friends, God destines us to encounter him like a woman in the world. Jesus leads her through beyond church being the physical place of worship, beyond genealogy. Oh, Jacob was our father. Are you greater than Jacob, our father? Yes, I'm Jesus. Oh, no, 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 but I'm exquisite of the problem. You know, when you drive past the church, you become Christian. You drive past the gym, you become a bodybuilder. You don't even see it. Drive past one of Oh, my genealogy, my, my culture defines my Christianity. Jesus, uh, no, 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 sorry. The fact that Jacob was in your lineage means nothing. Because your heart is still empty and you're still ashamed of yourself and you still hide from the one heart. And he brought her to a place of worship because of his grace that was shown to her. And you know what? It was humble worship. Because in this conversation, I'm not going to read the scripture, you must read it yourself. In this conversation, he gets into a place where he says, Where's your husband? And she said to him, mm, I don't know, husband. And he says, No, no, I know you. No, you. She went. And this woman, friends, do you know what it feels like when you're exposed for you all? Have you ever thought what life would be like if you had a television screen? on your forehead that basically shows all your thoughts. Everyone will be wearing hats. But Jesus says, I see you. And he gives her the answer. And she doesn't lose her love for him. Her love begins to you. Friends, when God sees you and when God calls you, and when He divinely inspiredly walks through your life, He will not make you scared of Him. He will attract you to Him. Because we know the story. She went to the village, and the whole village came to Jesus because of her testimony. All of a sudden, the one that was ashamed was not ashamed to tell anyone in the village who she met. And this is the answer that He gives her. I'm going to get to the answer, and then I'm going to end. Alright? The answer that changed this woman's life, you must get it, is John 4, verse 22 to 24. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, not for the Jews. From the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Okay? So don't get confused. Here with this messianic movement. Because it's bringing more confusion than what it brings on. Verse 23. But a time is coming and has now come when they're what? True worshippers. When Jacob, Jacob after being touched and after being changed to Israel and after being called Jeshurun, the true worshipper. And you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such as these Israels, Jeshurun's, you to worship him. What was the answer? Jesus. Because if you see Jesus, worship will be about God. If you don't see Jesus, you'll never worship. If you see the church, you'll be religious. If you see a man, you'll become a groupie. The groupies just freak me out. They just freak me out. I was off to do a wedding of a, of a guy that is in our church in Victoria, and I thank heavens he's not a groupie, but he hangs around and his job forces him to be around with him. And they were, at the time, I'm too old, so you won't even know what I'm talking about. But it was the guy, the coaching staff of the Google. And I have never in my life sat in a conversation where I just thought, don't you have a life? Really? It's like when Chris has a good game, your life is up here. But when Chris misses a tackle, your life is down here. It's like, dude, you cannot live your life via someone else. You cannot worship via someone else. You cannot be in a church and because the pastor is holy and he, and he drives what you want to drive and he lies and he just gets... It's just like, if you give 20 rounds, I will give 20 The church will be set for Because we miss Jesus. Because we miss worship. Can I define worship to you quickly? Worship has a focus, and that's Jesus. If Jesus is not visible, then it's not worship. Let's just set for it. Your tithing and offering that Paul has spoken about. If it's not Jesus, don't do it. God can take care of himself. He doesn't need it. You need it. This is where kind of our pastoral gifting leads normally. But please, friends, I love you. But truth is going to be the thing that sets you free. What is worship? So there's a focus. It's Jesus. It's God the Father. Worship is giving honor and glory without expecting anything in return. The ten lepers, just one illustration. Ten lepers. Jesus, heal us, heal us. Jesus heals the ten lepers. One of them turns around and he comes and he falls at Jesus' feet. And the Bible says he falls at his feet and he, he falls, falls at his feet and he worships him. And Jesus picks him up and he says, Go your way, you have been made whole. What was that leper really? When he went to Jesus' feet and he was worshipping Jesus, why was he worshipping Jesus? Did he need something? Think about it. Did, he, did that dude, he literally just had the biggest problem in his life removed. 
He had a death sentence and it was removed by Jesus. He had no reason to go back to Jesus and worship except for Jesus. And he was the Midianite in the group. And he got two things that day where the other guys got one thing. And I promise you, 10, 12, 15 years down the line, they still needed what he got that morning. He was healed and he was made whole. Friends, worship makes you whole. Worship is when you bring God what He's worthy of. I don't care what the week looks like. I don't care what, you, what you're struggling with. You come and you bring yourself. That is why church is not a club. I'm a, I'm a member of religion. Sir? You can say that because it's important. I don't go often, but I pay them. And they offer me a service that I don't do. Alright? And if something's broken, I tell them it's broken. Because they give me a service. That's not church. Yeah. You just give your life, and the more you give your life away, the more you, you increase your capacity to receive God. And the more your capacity grows to contain God, and to give God away, and to grow, and to give, and to, and to receive. Heaven does not run out of vision, my dear friend. Earth runs out of riches. Give yourself empty. May we be a church that give to the poor, that give to the needy, that pray for the lost, that lay down your life when it's not comfortable, that stay in church five minutes longer than what they said it would be without getting mad at the pastor. That's my excuse for preaching on. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you three words in the Bible that summarizes worship and you're not in our Okay. First word is prosciutto. You get it in this passage that we just read. The true worshippers will worship God. The word means to kiss the hand in token of reverence, to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence, kneeling or prostrating to pay homage, an expression of respect or to make supplication. It is a deep act of devotion. You will humiliate yourself for the focus. And in the Bible, the only word, the only place where you get this word is where people encountered God. God himself. In the book of Revelations, John is standing there and an angel pitches up and he falls in front of, he proscuniates himself in front of the angel. What does the angel do? Get up. This is only for God. Not even an angel accepts that level of worship. Not even an angel from heaven accepts that level of worship. Friends, what is worship? What is Jesus saying to this woman? Prosecuting You need to know God personally. You need to have a quiet time where you are on your face, alone in your room, not to impress anyone, just to say, God, have no words. It will make you healthy. But then there's another aspect of worship that we read from the Bible. The word is called Natreya. You see in Romans 12, verse 1, and in multiple other verses. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, only acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable worship, which is your reasonable betrayal. Worship is not only prosecution. Worship is betrayal. And that is what people did when they pack out the chairs. That is what someone did when they made the coffee out there. They were busy 
Latroyen. When Almira took the blow, I don't know if it was Almira. I don't know who, who gave the news away there. But when they were cleaning that place, that when you walk in and the place is nice and clean and you can have coffee in a nice environment, that was worship. <laughs> worship. Heaven applause. God is honored. The trail serves. That's why we believe every disciple should serve. And then the last one. Yeah, this is the one. That'll take your breath away. Because when you're, in a, when you're in a room, we're going to have conferences soon. With Fred, when you're in a room with, with 50 plus nations, people are singing the same song. People are on their knees worshiping Jesus. Different languages, different tribes, different tongues. And the word is homologia. Homo, the same, logia, word. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 to 3. I'm not going to read that scripture to you, you can read it yourself. But Solomon just finished building the temple. Just a passage there. And they fell. This is the whole nation. They fell on their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord. And all of them, the whole nation, together said, For he is good and his loving devotion endures forever. Everyone said exactly the same thing over and over. Homologia. Unity. Heart unity. Not external unity. Heart spirit unity. And the true worshiper will worship God in spirit and the truth. What was the answer? What is your answer? What is our answer as a church? It's friends. When we proscuniate as individuals, when we betray as a church, and when we homologia, when we get together and we worship together. That is why corporate worship and corporate prayer is so incredibly powerful. It can change nations. Worship can change nations. That's why we serve together. That's why you're in connect groups. Because in connect groups you learn how to homologia. It will bless you. You want to find out about a connected if you're not in one, come speak to us. Friends, we don't want a whole organization. There's purpose behind it. Because what happened to this lady? Let me end off with this. She went to town. She told people who she needed. And you can, in many ways, find all three words of worship in her reaction. There was Proscenia, there was the trial, and there was homologia. Because at the end of that passage, the people in the village looked at her and they said to her, Now we believe because we saw Jesus, not because of what you said. Look at our city. Look at the nations of the world. Until they leave the Oh, but we don't have money. Fine, God. I'm scared to do this. I'm not. I just don't have the guts. That's fine. God's got that place for you. Only thing you need is will you prescribe yourself before him? Will you betray Will you apologize? And see what God does. And the whole village. That woman went to church. 
one day to his prophet is Jesus Christ. God loves you. He will walk through superior for you. Because he's got a purpose for you. Let's pray Father, this last song we sang is holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. You'll find us singing worthy. Worthy of the Lamb. You will find us singing worthy when there is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Friends, this is just a very simple act of homology. Can we just say worthy is the Lamb? Yeah. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Lord, I pray for every person here. I pray, Father God, that you will have a moment with them like what you had with that lady at the well. You changed her life. Father, we are not here for any other reason but to see your face and to devote our lives to Prescunia, to Latreia, and to Amulogia before you. Because you are worthy. Father, as a church, at this moment, we ask you for nothing. We only give you worship. We only give you honor. We only give you what you are worthy of. Lord, I pray that you will raise up many women in this group. Father, I pray that you will speak to every single person here. And that you will help us, Lord, to see you and to hear you. Father, that you will even as this lady went back to Shechem, Lord, and she spoke what happened to her. God, every single one of us have it as a shepherd. I pray for every one of us that as we go, we will tell people about this Jesus. We knew us. We still accept this. Father, we love you. Amen.